You're listening to Innovative Minds with Melanie Francis, where we talk to some of the top thought leaders, business leaders, and marketers around the globe. Tune in every Thursday and spark your mind. And now, let's get into it. Okay, so I have today a very cool guest here with me, David Maurice Chevalier. Have I said that right, David? Yeah, it's almost right. Like um, Chevalier, so it's uh, a French name actually, and uh, we are a French-based company, but I'm German. Awesome. So I've got David here. He has built the favorite tool of mine right now, LeadJet, which helps anyone that's using LinkedIn extract all the data and all the information that is available on LinkedIn and put it straight into your CRM in seconds. So the tool is super fast, super cool. I've used so many tools in the market. And when I tried LeadJet, I was like, wow, this is so good. And I went and I was like, I have to go add the CEO of this tool and just thank him. And that's how I actually came across David. Do you remember David? That's how I kind of approached you at that time yes i know i think it was on linkedin uh, i think it was a cold outreach from you or something um, but i really loved it because we almost as we are a tool working on linkedin and we connect to your crm we almost make the people land on my profile for the onboarding so this is a little hack for us um, so we can basically uh, it's another way to track that people are onboarding and they can connect with uh, with me so i think in, in your way you did that and um, that's why I'm here. So I'm, I'm very happy to be here and in your podcast, Melanie. Thank you, David. I thought it was super cool marketing strategy as well that once you onboard that you actually land on the CEO's LinkedIn page and you always have that defaulted that, you know, I'm constantly like, there's David again, there's David again. It's, it's a really cool, smart move. But I want to start with your journey. I really am fascinated about I remember when I was like, okay, the person that would have thought of LeadJet must be like someone in sales background and they've been like doing this pain for 20 years. And then I looked at you, David, and I was like, I mean, you look so young. When I saw you, I was like, how has he had the pain point and lived the pain point as much as we all have? But I really want to hear the journey of, you know, how this really helpful, useful productivity tool came about for you. Yes. Um, so I think sometimes it's uh, the lack of an outer perspective, I would say, um, because yes, indeed, I'm, I'm not coming from a sales background. I'm coming from a way more yeah, boring background, I would say. Uh, I come from banking, actually. So uh, I started um, when I was young um, to, to have an interest in, in stocks and trading stocks. This was way before all these meme stocks and when it got uh, yeah, trending. Because in Germany, you need to understand it's very conservative. And when you are kind of 16, 17, um, so that was now 11 years ago, um, there was not much about investing in general. So um, I had a I had a genuine interest in it. And um, that's why I got some friends around me and we invested into stocks when we were super young. And that's how I got at the end into banking. But um, I'm coming normally from a way more creative background. So I loved playing theater and uh, a lot of people said like, oh, my teacher, hey, David, I see you definitely, I don't know, uh, at a certain time playing something, uh, playing in a movie or whatever. And then I landed up in banking. So and then I landed up now 
in a kind of software um, and we're doing a sales productivity software and how we actually came to DJET was out of our own problem um, so we kind of started in in the US back then and we needed to do a, a customer discovery for our um, program manager and um, yeah was uh, we didn't know anyone in the US so we went straight on LinkedIn then COVID was starting so it was hard to interview uh, any people in person so we just started reaching out on LinkedIn writing a few messages um, having interviews scheduled and we had a problem then to document all of that uh, because I mean LinkedIn is great for kind of networking but it's hard to actually keep an overview so um, we then started with HubSpot back then as, as HubSpot was for free and um, yeah then you type 100 times uh, contact data into HubSpot manually um, and after 50 times it's really a pain as I'm a good business student, I just see end of the tunnel and I just continue, continue typing and typing and typing. Um, but actually, my, my friend and colleague, now my co-founder, Roma, who has a technical profile, he's an engineer, he said, I'm not going to type 100 times first names and last names and uh, yeah, 10 other fields into my CRM. So I'm going to find a shortcut. And um, then he kind of programmed himself a shortcut to get in an easy way. A LinkedIn profile with one click transferred into into your CRM, and it was the start. Um, a lot of our colleagues then doing also the customer discovery for our program wanted to have that shortcut. We thought, okay, let's flip the customer discovery and ask salespeople about it because back then it was for other projects. And it turned out that salespeople have a problem of manual data entry in the CRM, and that's how we got um, yeah to the first. Um, kind of better version of the product together with 25 salespeople back then. Wow. So you were not a heavy user of LinkedIn before this project then that came about that you had to go and extract the data. No, back then I thought LinkedIn is about recruiting, it's about showing up my, my CV and um, yeah, applying for, for a new job when I'm searching for a new job. So I never saw LinkedIn as an opportunity to, to kind of uh, B2B business gather leads on that platform so that came all up uh, back then in COVID because uh, we thought okay now people need to or, or meetings happen more and more online so uh, sales happen more and more online so LinkedIn is definitely a platform that will stand out even more I mean it started a few years ago that uh, LinkedIn is not only here for recruiting anymore and thanks to COVID it accelerated a bit. So I really love the product you've built I think it's magnificent. When I first came across it, I just loved how user-friendly the product is. You know, I've told so many people that are LinkedIn users that really care about your data and really making sure that you're extracting all the right information from LinkedIn and putting it into your CRM, super important. Um, I feel like, you know, your product LeadJet is really leading the market, might I say. I'm curious to know about you know, what you've learned along the way in building a company like LeadJet so far? What's been, you know, your learnings, any funny stories, any mistakes that you've made to build, you know, such a relevant product in the marketing and sales space? I mean, yes, of course, you always do mistakes. We still do a lot of mistakes, but that's good because that's a learning. Um, I think when Omar and I started with LeadJet, uh, you know, in, in France, you kind of, to fill out five pages um, kind of between co-founders to ask yourself questions um, why do you want to start this where do you want to go with this uh, when do you want to end and for us we always said hey we want to end 
like this kind of project or company if we don't face any challenges or learnings anymore um, because I think then you're just in a maintenance status and that's not what, what makes fun. Creation is fun, um, building a tool is fun, doing it with, together with a lot of people is fun but if you're then just here for maintaining then I'm maybe back at my boring job in, in banking or you can compare it to this. So for us it's super important to go through every learning from the beginning that's why we started Bootstrapped also, because I think Bootstrapped is um, a nice way of learning it the hard way, how to start your company, because uh, you have no money. So uh, when you have uh, money and you are a funded business, uh, money brings a lot of short, can bring a lot of shortcuts. So uh, often uh, you kind of uh, don't need to think twice because you have money. You say, okay, you need to do it fast. Let's go. Let's spend the money and see see what's the outcome. When you're bootstrapped, it's not always that easy. So you really need to think twice where you're investing the money you have so um, to get the like most beneficial out of it. And um, for us, we said um, we always want to go through every learning um, because when we skip a learning and we then go further in our stages, we probably have at a certain stage don't have time to go back um, to something when we did something wrong. Um, so I can maybe um, kind of compare that um, to someone who build a product, but uh, may like at the beginning may not look too much into kind of the UI, the UX, uh, so that the product is having product market fit. Um, maybe they start first with marketing, which is good because you need to sell your product as early as you can. So they start doing a lot of marketing and they start getting out there. So then the, your name is out there. Let's take it to the extreme level. Your name is on a billboard. Um, and then people say, okay, this tool actually, um, I've seen it everywhere in town. I've seen it everywhere online and ads. It should be awesome. Then you go to the, to the tool and you start your, your trial ideally. And then you are frustrated often because the marketing is so way ahead. So you expect so much, but then you are coming at the product and you get that less compared to the marketing. And that's often because then people skip the learning. Um, so we saw that also with a lot of other companies as we are uh, based in Station F. That's the biggest startup campus in the world with more than 1,000 startups. People who have funded business, they often go shortcuts and skip learnings. And for us, it's so important to go through every, every learning until we under, understood it. And um, yeah, we only skip learnings when we like from, from, from the start say, okay, this I don't need to learn. I don't know. Like some legal stuff, um, sometimes uh, you're not uh, an expert here, so you can skip that. But um, for every other thing, when it's especially business related, go through that. And I think that was for us the best way um, to kind of build that bootstrap company and and um, go that fast in, in terms of traction. Yeah. So how much have you grown and completely bootstrapped along the way? Like how many companies, you know, did you end up having on your platform? from, you know, start to bootstrap? Because I know you're recently going to go into raise, but, you know, you've pretty much bootstrapped all the way to how many users did you attract on just bootstrap? So we started uh, with a company like two years ago was the first idea when we have been in uh, university and did this customer discovery. Um, but the product is out since uh, one and a half years. So we started selling it um, after we found out how to connect Stripe <laughs> and establish a billing system after one and a half months. So we started uh, selling it in the last quarter of 2020 and we got our 50 companies as clients, which was already great. Um, but 
we have been two people, so we need to do product, we need to do sales, we need to do marketing, we need to do website, everything. So there's not a lot of time um, that you can sell. So we saw, we saw, okay, how can we, when we are just the two of us, how can we um, accelerate our sales? Um, so, and then we just thought, okay, I mean, we are an extension of the CRM. We are working together with the CRM. How can we make CRM sales teams selling our software? which is not easy because, I mean, they need to sell their own CRM. But what we did is then, can compare it like uh, consulting, we always look in our partners, what is their North Star metric? Like, what is driving their business? And then we see, then we look, how can actually fit our business into that North Star metric? Or how, how can we increase that? For HubSpot, it's, for instance, um, the pricing is, is one of the best out there, I would say, in the market. Um, it really depends on the contacts you have. So if you have 500 contacts or if you have, I don't know, 5,000 contacts, you need to pay another price, a higher price, uh, because that's that's um, contact-based pricing. With LeadJet, it's now so easy. In one click, you have a new contact record created with 15 fields enriched in your CRM. So now it actually makes fun to hunt for new contacts because it's that easy. There's no admin work required, and you don't need to type it in all manually. Um, we tested that for three months, six months, nine months uh, with uh, HubSpot, single HubSpot and HubSpot plus LeadJet, and we found out that the people hit their plan limitations quite quick. So that's why HubSpot said, hey, actually, this tool is, is quite interesting because we can kind of upsell our plans with the tool. And then we got into um, the co-selling um, with HubSpot and um, HubSpot people selling our software and they sell it to CRM. The same is with Copper, where we have even an OEM status. So I think that helped us at the beginning finding these North Star metrics, coming with a two-pager, one-pager, saying, hey, I've analyzed your, your kind of business metrics, and I think we are working in, in a few of them. So how about partnering? They were like super astonished. They said, we never received that from someone. So um, maybe thanks to our studies, we, we learned how to, how to do consulting also a bit. Um, but helped, that helped us a lot in accelerating. And then, yeah, last year was crazy. We we got like 700 uh, more companies, like completely inbound, completely self-service as clients. And now, uh, yeah, one and a half years later, we serve uh, more than 1,000 uh, companies as clients. That's going from small to, to, to unicorn. So mostly we serve scale-ups and unicorns, having up to 120 licenses per company. Um, and yeah. That uh, was really um, surprised us uh, as well because um, yeah, the acceleration thanks to the CRM partnerships was really quite quite um, massive. Yeah. Do you think so? What took you off is that partnership and that recognition then from HubSpot? Like you know, there's so many people that are trying to bootstrap a company and they find it so difficult and they see nothing, not even sometimes revenue for such a long time. And it sounds like from your experience, you already had the product within six months. On the market, sounds like you've got strong technical experience within your co-founder that can bring that product to market because that's one of the biggest challenges sometimes for founders is actually getting an MVP because they want perfection. They're sometimes building for so long. Yeah, don't uh, believe in perfection. <laughs> perfection, I don't know. Getting perfection is very hard. But your product looks pretty pretty good. I mean, was it as good when you went to market, you know, a year and a half ago now, or are we seeing a really refined version of that now? No, it was already kind of not bad, I would say, at the beginning, but sure, we had a lot of bugs. Um, and then uh, 
when you're kind of getting traction and then there's a, a massive bug and then you're getting churn again, it's sometimes frustrating, but that's the process. Um, so um, I think it's important to, to build a community, to be close to your customers, to always have feedback loops and improve your product. And sure, we, we also still have bugs. Um, I think that's why having a, a product that's perfect is, 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 is really not easy to reach, but having a perfect service, maybe that's more easier. And um, I think that's, that's what we do that starts with the onboarding for, for self-service where we do a lot of automations but in a personalized way and we um, for bigger clients of course we, we offer demo calls we invite them also to come a kind of a community that we're building up now I think that's that's very important and uh, listening to the customer what they want um, is also important that of course having a technical co-founder is definitely uh, help because um, Roma he's coding since he's 12 I guess so I don't know what I did with 12 actually but um, he's really ex excellent and he's always learning every two years a new language and uh, yeah he's a full stack developer and uh, at the beginning uh, it was very helpful because we both were kind of competing with each other in a good way I said hey I reached something for marketing I reached something for sales we have this new client and he said yes I pushed this uh, new feature out and when we also talk about features, I think what's most important um, to, to get a good traction is that you not start with, I don't know, I want to have 10 features. And I'm now, that because you said like often founders, they, they start and, and, and um, want to publish once their product is perfect. So we said, uh, no, when we have our first feature, we want to publish it because um, you need to think about like there is a... a a screw and uh, what's, the, what's the English word? Uh, a screwdriver, no? A screwdriver? Like, yes, exactly. And that's what we are always building. We are building the perfect uh, screwdriver for that screw. So it's basically there's a pain and we um, have the perfect 100% solution. So we want to be, kind of solve 100% of the value can always with every feature we have. And um, then we are building a, a whole tool set at the end. But we are not starting with the tool set and saying, um, okay, I want to have uh, 10 um, kind of different features. And once I have these 10 features, I'm going to publish my software. Now, one feature, which is solves 100% uh, a pain. Uh, so have 100% of value gap. And then we go, go along the journey. Tell me then what's next for the feature set and the roadmap that we can expect from LeadJet. So, I mean, we started very niche um, with LinkedIn and uh, we had a lot of learnings and how people work with their CRM. I mean, we're connecting with the CRM since more than a year. Um, so we know all the objects. Um, and uh, of course, there's a, as a pain in manual data entry from LinkedIn because LinkedIn is the biggest B2B database um, out there. And uh, there comes a lot of contact data, which uh, is always fresh because you're in charge of your own profile to care about your own data and update it. Um, but salespeople have a pane of manual data entry also somewhere else so uh, when you're in your emails for instance when you're on slack nowadays um, slack becomes with slack connect also like an, an email thread um, with with other companies um, then you are in a google meet you need to have transcribe of records there's a lot of sales interactions you have now like after covid times um, because it's more and more online and we want to help every kind of in every sales interaction you have online and we want to help with the admin work so um, how do we do that we basically our, our recipe is 
bring your CRM on top of LinkedIn. So it actually is there where you work. And um, you work on LinkedIn for sure, but you also work somewhere else. And we want to bring to these places your CRM as well for then, again, filling these different value gaps, no manual data entry, accessibility to your nodes, for instance, when you need them, uh, kind of quick uh, pipeline sourcing, pipeline management. So that comes a lot. And we actually expand our um, product in terms of features, yes, where it's really relevant because other platforms, they require other features. Um, we go a bit in kind of, we expand in personas because at the beginning we were serving only SDRs, EDRs. Now we are serving account executives and we are bringing our product not only on LinkedIn, also everywhere else. Okay. So can I ask you a few features? I'm just curious whether this is coming up or not. Yeah. Okay. So I was looking at my HubSpot contact list of all the people that were previous to a lead jet that was added there. And it was a complete still mess right so we had to go and be like oh my god we don't even have linkedin profiles for some of these um clients so we can't even just open them so we have to find them on linkedin and then we have to enrich our data have you got any plans to actually allow you know an enrichment of data or at you know at a click of a hand or do we have to you know continue to find them like is that anything that you've thought about at all (laughs) No, of course, um, like enrichment of data is super important, especially um, what we saw when you are more developed company. So let's say a scale up, um, the the kind of data consistency, consistency uh, data hygiene in your CRM becomes very important because at the beginning, when you start your company, it's a mess. You know, you try to reach out everywhere. You try to just increase sales. Um, probably your team is not that big. So there's no one who's taking care of the of the management of the CRM. If you get bigger, this becomes important. So um, what we're definitely um, doing is here kind of bringing more data to the customer from like different places, Crunchbase data, for instance. So we also have kind of a more native Crunchbase integration. At the moment, we're already pushing Crunchbase data that's that's available on LinkedIn, like funding amount, last funding, investors. Um, so, and then also we take care of um, kind of the updating of the data because we have a a new feature which is called kind of notification about outdated contacts let's say um what we do here is we kind of um, give you alerts notifications hey i don't know melanie switched their job from xyz to abc um and then click here to update so um, it's way more easy oh, got it. to bring got it. that information why wouldn't you are we able to automate that like if someone is updated in your contact base um just automatically update or is there an issue is is there like a prevention from constantly calling and scraping or calling the api like why is it a notification out of interest because um, we don't want to overuse linkedin api or kind of bring harm to the business by having automations running on linkedin so we definitely see ourselves as a sales productivity tool not an automation tool um because um yeah then you you like harm the linkedin platform um, you scrape data in a, in a, in a big way and um, yeah, LinkedIn is against that. So you're just, you're a bit cautious of calling the API too much if it's not needed and that way you don't irritate also the API to think that you're some sort of also automation tool that constantly calls on data. Um, it, that's really yeah, interesting. So my second question and my second feature then it might answer itself, given that limitation of being able to pass data or that, you know, that, that issue that exists of 
getting data constantly. So one thing for us is as you sophisticate as a company, you want to score your interaction and your contact base um, on on HubSpot. So we, you know, naturally as marketers, not just sales, but marketers also want to, you're passing the notes of every interaction you've potentially had, such as messages exchange. But there's other interactions like comments, for example, that you might have exchanged with that person that's not passing through what's, you know, what's your, is there a product map for trying to pass more of that LinkedIn data from, you know, content, comment, engagement, you know, followership, like what, or is it difficult to do because of the way LinkedIn's API um, is set up that it would be too much um, on that contact or it would have to be manual? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. It's a very hot topic. Uh, no, it's definitely possible. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you, everything is possible. You can also probably do an automation here. But um, as we as we said, we wouldn't do that. What we can do is bring kind of the notification feature and expand it also to comments or whatever um, to then click you through that to that page, that comment, and then basically sync it to your CRM, something like this. Um, that's definitely possible, but as we don't want to bring robotic behavior to the platform, we wouldn't click ourselves if we were through as a, because that would also kind of have too many API calls. Um, but yeah, like a scoring is something what we've heard recently quite a lot. Um, and we want to bring something to the table here also, um, which goes uh, kind of like uh, next to the LinkedIn platform where we actually want to kind of bring also at the later stage uh, uh, kind of product qualified leads um, into the game because at the moment we are integrating to the CRM, um, but what we see in the CRM is that you have marketing and sales qualified leads, um, but uh, product qualified leads uh, is still a bit behind. So uh, we are also kind of thinking about bringing something here, um, and uh, this is one source, and LinkedIn could be another source, also other platforms could be a source to really um, get a better score of your customer touch points. Um, and yeah, this is something what we have on the roadmap definitely, but um, it will be more for, for next year. Yeah. I guess, how do you prioritize with so much feature requests being requested? How do you prioritize and being still a smaller team, right? And growing team, how I'm guessing that's a big thing that you have to make a decision on often about priority. Yeah, so at the beginning when we started, um, as we didn't have a lot of customers, of course, there was um, a lot of uh, kind of innovation driven by us and by the first beta testers. Um, so we always constantly gathered their feedback and built the next product together with them, what we're still doing. So uh, we have a customer discovery process in place where we ask 50% uh, of our customer base and 50% of new customers we want to develop. Um, because often it's actually the best sales tactic to go into a call and not asking for a sale, asking more for what would you require? Um, so what could we do for you to make your sales day more efficient, whatever. And then we have a lot of touch points in customer discovery. And at the end, it's there's quite a high chance that they will sign up because they kind of felt also that they were developing the product together with you. And um, that is... A, kind of uh, not only a tactic, but it's really as we want to go up market, we need to understand the needs and uh, the, the pain points from these kind of um, more uh, kind of um, 
bigger companies, let's say. And that's how we do. We, we go into Miro. We have a product thinking board. Um, there's uh, like three resources. It's, it's customer. It's our own research and innovation, what we think. Um, could be could be uh, like uh, our next feature, and then there is competition, of course. And then we have a, a big Miro board uh, where we kind of write down the different uh, hypotheses we have, and then we test the hypotheses in uh, five to six interviews. That's enough um, with current customers and new customers you want to develop. We ask them a few questions, and then um, after we see okay, there's a kind of uh, good first idea. We take that idea and have a bit more interviews to kind of get the details out of this idea. And then um, we go to Figma and we design the mockups. Um, that's that's on a lot on me and on uh, Margaret from my team, who's a product manager. And then uh, once we design the mockups, it goes to um, UI UX, where's Aldina. So it's very slim and um, she then kind of uh, yeah applies our, our style. And then it goes to development, and um, development can can go to the very first to Miro because um, they need to also understand sometimes where's this feature coming from, and they can go really back to the process um, where they can go into the Miro board and can see all the notes from the customers. But yeah, that's our process of of streamlining it, um, asking a lot of customers, looking at competition, and then um, our own innovation. Tell me, what's the reception been like from LinkedIn? Like, have you experienced any issues? Like, you've got this great partnership. HubSpot loves it, right? It ends up helping them in terms of building up the contact list and moving someone through the subscription um, level to the next level, right? But with LinkedIn, tell me, like, you know, has that been the same reception to the tool or has there been challenges along the way to build a tool like this? Yeah, what's very important, I mean, if you build a company um, where you have a dependency, a platform dependency, um, we have even two, I mean, we have the CRM and we have LinkedIn, um, you should reaching out, um, do like a retro perspective uh, quite early. So uh, what we did, we reached out to LinkedIn quite early to kind of check with them, um, check with them what's the priority kind of of the platform, getting contact at high executive, um, ideally getting a partnership we are way too small uh, still for, for having a partnership, but there are like partners like Salesforce, uh, sales, uh, Salesloft, for instance, Salesforce as well, um, but Salesloft to have partnerships. And what we do then, that's the so-called sandwich approach. <laughs> so meaning um, we kind of um, have different forces from outside and we kind of squeeze that and increase the pressure until we uh, get to a kind of high executive or to a champion um, and speaking good words and highly words of us inside the, the, the company. Another question I wanted to ask your thought on was, we see this huge amount of data privacy coming in to um, social platforms and more and more data being protected. And we saw that error for Facebook, right? And I guess that, I guess, how does this end up affecting LeadJet in your build and your map? Where do you see the future in, you know, data privacy and the impact of that? Yes. Yeah, it's very important. I mean, we as a tool are GDPR compliant. Um, as often, like GDPR comes into kind of play uh, when you start reaching out. Um, so as we are kind of a data processor, another owner can kind of um, compare that to a tube. The data is either saved on LinkedIn directly, so it stays there, or it's in your CRM. 
and we are just uh, getting uh, kind of uh, the way from A to B, um, but we are not saving or have any look into your CRM data, which is quite important. Um, then, of course, a lot of people ask us, okay, um, in Germany especially, you need to play with a lot of GDPR rules. You can't uh, cold contact email someone, um, for instance. So you always need to have kind of a certain interest, what we call it. And uh, LinkedIn is a B2B platform. So the people here on LinkedIn are here for making business in general. So often what we advise is, hey, um, you should uh, do first outreach on LinkedIn, make a connection request, start a first message. And then we even have GDPR templates um, where you can ask when you really go strict um, to, to ask like, hey, can I maybe send you a follow-up with more information, etc. And then there's a certain interest. So you see, okay, there was actually a check-in and um, you're now allowed uh, to send him uh, or her uh, more information, business-related information. So um, yeah, I think that's important. Uh, in US, like GDPR is still a, like... Um, not as, is not as strict as in Europe, I would say, but in Europe, we have a lot of customers who are concerned about it. Um, getting the data into the CRM is one thing, uh, then doing the outreach in a GDPR compliant way is another thing. And we definitely help here um, by sticking to the rules, giving templates for our users um, even, and um, yeah, that we get sure that they're all and GDPR compliant. What about passing the actual data? Do you see like less and less data potentially being available to actually, you know, push through? Um, I mean, yeah, data, less data available. I, I would say in the future we have more and more data available, which will be yes. which will be uh, harder to kind of uh, um, kind of see there. In, in German, we have a, in German we have a saying: "Du siehst den um, Wald vor lauter Bäumen nicht." Mm-hmm. What means uh, you don't see the, the forest because uh, there are too many trees. Um, so that's the same thing. I think we have more and more data. And the problem will be how can we push at the right stage the right data? Um, because for sales, it's so important when you're before a call, you need to have a quick check-in. Where is the maybe uh, last um, kind of touch points I or some of my colleagues had with this contact? So then you need to kind of push the data uh, quite quick um, to that contact. Um, as long as it's an open database um, where people are in charge of their own beta and their own rules, meaning um, they are in charge of publishing the data um, and they are in charge um, of kind of distributing the data, then there is always uh, ways to extract this data because it's, it's publicly available. And uh, then it's just about how can you um, make most efficient use of that data for you? Got it. Um, what's the next level? And you talked a lot about, okay, I'm going to be multi-platform, but, you know, what's what's after that? What's the big vision for LeadJet that you see, you know, that where do you see it? Do you see it being an exit? Um, do you see, you know, that you started a bootstrap company? What's the story that you think that will be attached to the product. Yes, uh, making the CRM everywhere available where you are so that the CRM is following you. Um, you can compare that to analog phone and mobile phone. Um, the CRM, mm-hmm. um, I mean, was a great invention. 20 years ago, Salesforce made it big. Um, now we are mm-hmm. at the fourth wave of the CRM where actually um, we have big CRM systems, but uh, they are not 
because they got so big, they're not movable anymore. It's like when you build a ship, mm. but you never get it out of the haven. Um, and Salesforce, for instance, is so huge. It's like a, a mm. data warehouse, and that's how we how we see Salesforce. But we need other tools that operate on top of that sales, Salesforce data warehouse for the end user, like a, a modern interface to make it more easier to work with the data in Salesforce. And that's what we are building. We are building like uh, these little hunting ships, I would say, out there on the ocean who bring in leads, um, who serve kind of the right uh, information, put it back into the CRM because the CRM is the central system and we are not want to build our own CRM. We want to build an interface on top of the CRM uh, where it's uh, yeah, kind of more easy for the customer to, to access their CRM from everywhere they work. I know you're saying you've got the account managers now included in your persona and your t- target audience. Do you see the persona extending out to marketing teams? Because I guess with marketing teams, they're looking for more data about content, performance, and you know who engage. Do you, do you kind of see that or do you see that the bigger pain point and the problem is actually multi-platform at the moment and you want to keep to your persona? Yeah, um, so we already have a kind of marketing teams as customers because, um, yeah, the growth team is often also under the marketing team and the growth team is bringing leads. So sometimes uh, kind of an SDR-like or there's also a stage before like a lead development representative um, can uh, work under the radar of marketing. So that's why also kind of marketing people already use our tool. Um when it's starting to become sales related, but at the end we will be a, a kind of um, productivity tool for salespeople. So that starts yes with SDRs, goes with account executive, head of sales, uh, maybe at the later stage customer success. Um, but yeah, definitely I would say by integrating to other platforms, we are also expanding a bit our personas because at other platforms. Um, let's say, for instance, on a Google Meet where account executives have a lot of calls, um, a transcript of records is important or having um, your notes um, just right at the, at the, at the side of your, of your Google Meet is important because notes are scattered. People take notes in Evernote. They take notes in, in uh, Google. Um, they take, um, I don't know, notes on their, on their um, own computer and often they forgot to put the notes into the CRM. So sometimes they, they need a quick uh, access to, to notes, which is synced to their CRM. And um, by bringing this feature, this is more for account executives. So we grow our persona and it's on Google Meet. So it's on another platform. So it goes hand in hand, I would say. So would this then be your, to do all these different, you know, branch out to different platforms and everything. Is this when you think now is the time to leave the bootstrap era? behind and need to funding to go the next stage is that what you know is your next step or is that what you see this year happening and the following years of raises what's your view on that right now and where are you at yes um so that was not an easy decision as a bootstrap company saying yes to a kind of investor's money but as we kind of analyzed the market worked in the market with crms for more than a year we see a big chance out there um, to kind of expand our product, apply the same recipe we applied on LinkedIn, everywhere else. Um, and uh, we have already kind of all the kind of roadmap and feature put out there 
but we need to develop and there we um, need to grow a bit more quicker in terms of organization, so hiring mostly. Um, and that's why uh, we kind of uh, made the decision to, to fundraise um, to, to go to the next stage of the, of the company and get from a tool to a solution. And uh, that's why we are raising um, money at the moment and um, yeah, started the process um, kind of at the beginning of the year um, to, to reach out. And um, yeah, now I uh, hope we, we can go through soon and um, yeah, raise, raise some money. But um, so far, it was a good, good ride in the bootstrap way. So we have a good, good cash flow um, that feeds all of our team at the moment of, of 17 um, people. But um, yeah, we need a bit more money to kind of increase the, the overall organization. And where will the team spend go most of the raise um, as it comes through? Will it go to mostly product development, um, software development, or how will you do the spread? Um, so it will mostly, of course, um, for developers, but also um, marketing and sales. Actually, we still didn't uh, like have paid marketing so far. We just started uh, with, a, with the first ads, I think, two weeks ago. And uh, we were still just about content marketing. Um, but we will start doing this. We also will have a sales team, which takes first inbound leads because we have um, a lot of uh, inbound leads that are untouched. From all of our partners coming in so it's a good problem to have um, but salespeople are not that uh, cheap also especially when you co compete with the us um, and uh, that's where also some money will go into but um, yeah we are building a product-led growth company so uh, a lot of focus is on the product and then building up a sales team uh, which is not enterprise sales which is a product-led sales team as well um, so it's taking more inbound and it's a bit, a bit different than the classical sales team that we're building. Yeah. Can I ask you then, is there ever a fear as someone that is in tech um, and that, you know, you could not innovate fast enough and someone could come and take over, especially, you know, if you don't raise fast enough. And um, is there any fear sometimes of that, that, you know, comes over you? Because I've seen so many companies that, assess more than ever in the last five years I feel that come in they solve a pain point immediately and then the market moves and changes and grows and has such a bigger need and then the next you know thing is there to help serve them and we're always we don't we seem to be able to move along with products particularly with products like that are not our CRM but just helping to enrich a particular product that we're very attached to so it's very easy to say move product, right? When it's just doing that. You're not like in there and integrated that you hold data, right? You're just passing data. Whereas if you're, so is there that fear over that, you know, that um, someone could come in and take over and just see it and build it and, you know, um, does that ever like, you know, keep you up at night? Um, not really. Um, there was also at the beginning like people said, ah, you need to go quick. Maybe you should race now straight from the start. The idea is good um, to protect your product. Uh, but I don't think so. Um, when you, of course, we have as entrepreneurs, we have a lot of fears all time. Um, but I think that's also the challenge to kind of tackle these, tackle with these fears or that feeling. Um, but when it comes to kind of someone stealing our idea, making it bigger, more quicker with money, not really, because I believe always in doing a great job for the customer. And when you're sticking to your customer needs 
and you are building that community and you have a very close contact to your customers. And to be honest, there are so many companies out there. Um, even when we have uh, the same competition, uh, five times the same product as we have, there's still a lot of customers to get. Um, so that's why I see competition uh, more as uh, inspiration also, um, because of course you also look at the competition for, for product development. Um, but I, I don't see it as a fear. Um, I, I rather like to have more competition. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I played football and, and, and uh, tennis when I was young. And I always like to, to compete because that drives me actually. So I don't see it as a, as a fear, more as a, a motivation also. Yeah. So how do you then think about marketing now going forward, you know, after where you're at now? How do you plan to use marketing to spearhead your growth? You know, do you see community partnerships? You've said these are your key events. I see you're running. How are you, you know, going to stand out in this landscape? Um, where are you, how are you thinking about, you know, marketing and approaching and growth and creativity to actually acquire more users? Yes. Um, we always need to come up with some crazy ideas. Um at the beginning, as we didn't have any uh, money for marketing, it was very uh, important to stand out and have crazy ideas to be seen. What were the crazy ideas that you had? Like uh, one idea was, uh, hey, let's like as we as you know, we do social selling on LinkedIn, for instance, and um, we saw there was no guide out there for doing social selling. So we just got to HubSpot and say, hey, we want to write something about social selling. Would you be in? They said, okay, let's do it. And then we thought, okay, how can we increase actually our um, kind of distribution? Let's 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 look for influencers. Let's get them on board. Write them kind of a mm -hmm. little chapter about it. Okay. So we wanted to write 15 pages. At the end, we <laughs> ended up with 90 pages. Uh, so it was almost like a, a book um, and, and a bit more than a guide. And um, it was working super well. It was the second best uh, campaign for marketing campaign paying for HubSpot in the whole history. And it was our first co-marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. And we put everything mm -hmm. in there uh, with the influencers and it worked out great. I think we got uh, yeah 3,000 uh, leads out of it, uh, companies. And that was for the DACH, for the German market. And um, that was where the kind of idea I put uh, into place into the marketing team. Often I come up with some crazy ideas and then the marketing team was like, oh no, not another idea. How shall we make that happen, actually, in that amount of time? So I'm very grateful to have um, such a great marketing team because it's super quick, organized, and um, I think that's, that's, that's quite important. Now we're doing with HubSpot a course about inbound marketing. Uh, they have a HubSpot Academy, for instance, uh, which is great because they have an audience of half a million. Um, so stuff like this, um, really, in terms of marketing, we do a lot of co-marketing. Um, to increase our brand and, uh, of course, get a bit of distribution channel. And uh, this almost for free because it's it's not paid. It's just uh, yeah, putting hours into to, to make it work. And, um, yeah, starting now as we as we um, kind of didn't spend any money to pay that, we start to see if, if ads work as well. And, um, yeah, but content, content, content is for us most important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do love your content. And I my view on it really now looking at, having done LinkedIn ads, having looking at organic, it's all about standing out now more than ever. And, you know, for us, it's like, how do you bring huge amounts of creativity to really 
sprouse up the message, you know, because I think everyone can do content, but can they do it in a way that no one else looked at it? You know, right now we're working with a SaaS company and we're just, we're looking at doing for their marketing campaign, like a silent movie to explain their product, you know? So it's like, you know, so we're going the distance of how do you make something be viral, watchable and something that's just unique, or maybe even we're going to do a black and white movie style you know back in the day so when you're scrolling it's like wow damn that is super interesting and or how do we make it humorous so that people want to watch so I feel that that's the next level of marketing other than just what we put out I think that's um that's what I would recommend to you definitely if you if you're still looking for actors as, as you know I, I love playing theater when I was young <laughs> I would I would I would love to be highlighted in that in that silent movie um, but you're for sure I mean you need to stand out somehow and um, what works also I mean we're also applying social selling tactics on LinkedIn at that this is our home turf um, so what we do is a social story selling. Um, I mean, it's sometimes not easy because you kind of need to open yourself up to your community a bit more and you need to share some uh, things. Uh, often people, especially in Germany, say, hi, I don't know, I'm like high executive at this and this company. I don't want to share anything about me, which is uh, personal related or company related, which gets into a bit more details, which is more sensitive maybe. But at the end, it's about emotions and connections. And um, that is what, what stories uh, kind of make it thrive. And that's why we uh, kind of established a story selling approach uh, where we share each of us in the team different stories and uh, we get a way higher engagement level with it. So we have then like 300 um, likes on, on a post um, and uh, 50 comments. And that brings business as well. Um, and I think that's important that you are... Um, authentic out there absolutely especially for a younger company like under you know 50 employees I think using the CEO story the founder story is super important and that's what I always push is say you know the first thing you've got is your own brand and your own story to get people feeling connected to your brand that this, and to humanize the brand you know that's what and I think you you do that and you practice that and you make sure that you're actually showing up and turning up on the platform that you are committed to so committed to to drive data so um I really appreciate that you know you've you've gone and made sure that the brand is there and you're saying that you're also making sure your employees are acting in the same way and showing up is that something that you know you ask for them or is that something that you just ingrained as a culture in your company to do more the second one um because i i can't when you force them to do something uh, of course then it's not authentic um because then they say okay fuck i need to kind of write another post now um it's another to do for me so um we say hey when you feel doing it do it um and uh, we can kind of advise you that you do it in that way so in that format because it, it It, is, it will increase the engagement rate. Um, and that's what they do. So they build up their own audiences. For instance, Albina, UI, UX related stuff, uh, what she will share, also what her problems are, uh, what her learnings are um, to her community. Um, then developers will share their latest development, um, also how they got to development, like personal stuff behind it. Uh, we are making videos now um, of the employees who want to tell their story also out there to give them kind of a platform and it's also very important uh, when you're young you kind of hear all in this together you want to invite everyone into that ride onto that ride so it's it's your it's your um, own kind of uh, team it's your customers 
and you want to feel everyone belonging. How do you like help them with the video? Um, do you help them with an editor or do you help them to know how to do it themselves? Because that's also a huge amount of resourcing, right? To be able to give. So how do you enable them, I guess, to produce video content? Yeah, so we have uh, here kind of agencies. We started at the beginning. Um, also students, basically, who built now a big uh, agency by themselves. It's, for instance, Behind the Skills. A really cool agency you should check out. It's a, in a very Parisian, modern way. And they come in, um, they give such a great feeling uh, to us um, so that we are really authentic in front of the camera. It's it's more fun shooting than you think, oh, now someone is shooting me, I need to be in front of the camera um, because it feels like family. We started together at the same time with them and they gave, gave us their videos at the beginning for free. So we got um, kind of um, some some content out there and they got uh, clients. Um, so there was really um, a mutual win. And um, yeah, that's that's what we do. Sometimes they come in, we do a video. Yeah, awesome. Well, I really enjoyed picking your brain and learning about what is coming out. Um, for those that haven't checked out Lead Jet, I think it's fantastic as a tech stack. If you're using LinkedIn, it's something that you should definitely check out. It's just super simple to use. It's one click of a button and every salesperson, every marketing person definitely check it out. Um, and thank you so much about sharing your journey and inspiring us, David, about how you can bootstrap a company for so long and still get to so many users and sharing the insights on how you have managed to do that through partnership was one of my learnings as to how well you were able to get into a really big partnership early on with HubSpot and how that really propelled you. So it's, sometimes it's just that one marketing tactic at the beginning that you need and it propels you to go to the next distance. And I just wanted to say I really enjoyed talking to you and hearing your thoughts and I look forward to you know further conversation, further events together and further seeing your journey and you just taking off. Likewise, for me it was also a pleasure. Uh, my day started a bit earlier than usual, but um, I think uh, it was a really, really nice uh, chat I had with you, Melanie. Well, thank you. Thank you for waking up at 7 a.m. I have to tell the audience it was a very early time for you. So thank you for getting up so early. So I'm German, so I get up a bit earlier. But like in Paris, the people, they sleep a bit longer, I would say. definitely. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely now on the hunt for, for the croissant and then going up to the office. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for, for making the time. And uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed the chat. You are listening to Innovative Minds with Melanie Francis. Tune in every Thursday and spark your mind.